0: Welcome to the first episode of United We Pray Companion. If you listen to United We Pray with Isaac Adams, uh, the title, well, the, the thesis is they are devoted to prayer about racial strife, especially between Christians. Uh, we want to help Christians think about race in a way that is biblical and helpful, clear and helpful. I think that's a great, it's a great motto. It's a great uh, vision. However, I don't think that the You We Pray podcast is very biblical all the time. I don't think it's very helpful. I think it could be more clear, and I think it's more hopeful if it focuses less on on temporal stuff of race and more on God. But anyway, this podcast that I'm making with my friend Jorge is uh, hopefully going to be a good critique and um, in ways that is biblical and helpful and more clear. And hopeful on other valid biblical perspectives. Uh, This first episode, we're going to talk about the the last episode in season six and the third episode in season seven about the topic of abortion. Jorge and I have listened to it multiple times and taken a bunch of notes, and uh, we're going to talk about it. Jorge, how are you doing?
1: Not too bad. How are you?
0: I'm thankful to be here, and uh, we're doing this. Me too. Um, me too. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad 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 you're here. Let's uh, let's talk about let's talk about this episode. Um, how would you summarize that last episode from season six called "Abortion, Racial Justice, Part One"? How would you summarize it? I would
1: summarize it um, this way. I think it's always. Uh, a noble goal to whenever you talk about abortion in an honest way, whenever you talk about racism in an honest way, but you know, you mentioned their mission statement. I think that no matter what we do, we definitely don't want to get hung up on race. And I understand that these episodes, that's the common thread uh, that seems to be is civil rights and, uh, the issues of race. But, um, My impression of this episode, it really just kind of seemed a little bit timid, and the central aim, I think, uh, was a little bit flawed, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, It felt like, as soon as the episode started, it kind of felt like running out the clock, like they were uh, kind of walking on eggshells to talk about abortion, And the central aim that I think was kind of flawed, uh, it seemed like their main plea was to kind of encourage two groups to, like, hitch their wagons together. Uh, Them being a group that I think they were very bold uh, criticizing, I think unfairly, the pro-life movement, of wanting that group to hitch their wagons to uh, the modern day uh, racial justice uh, movements, and they didn't they didn't really name them, but that's that's what I saw in this episode. I thought that was the central aim, and I just think uh, if unless you do it in a real focused way, uh, a way that's not hung up on race, it can be, you know, to borrow a word that we hear a lot, problematic.
0: I, I feel like the summary you made. Those, uh, on what their aims were I would I would summarize their point as saying yeah there's there's two different sides there here and there doesn't need to be. There's the the pro-life side and they they didn't use the term narrow minded but they're just focused on pro- pro-life. I think the, the next episode they said they they prioritize it and forget about the other stuff and uh, the other side is the side that's focused on all these other issues. That are really like the maybe the the causes to the abortion issue, like the setting up the environment. And if those pro-lifers cared about these other issues, and they list them as as like housing, redlining, police brutality, uh, incarceration, like these are the issues that make it that make abortions go up. So hey, if you want to end abortions, you can keep fighting to make it illegal or whatever. But but really, we've got a solution, and it's this racism that's really the problem, and it's in these laws. And uh, they were always very broad, very vague. They, they gave no specific policy examples for any of them. Uh, we'll take a closer look later. But, yeah, their, their summary was, hey, there's these two sides. There shouldn't be. We all really care about justice. We all really care about systemic injustice. And um, that was their, their main point. Like, we don't have to be, let's let's come together. Let's come together and work together on, on both this stuff. And uh, I'd also say we can conclude with about the second episode, too. I think it had, with Chandra White-Cummings, uh, I think both episodes had very similar content where they talked about the two sides and let's come work together. I think the second episode had uh, Chandra was very good at bringing up some stats and a good theology of how we sin by elevating ourselves to God's level and thinking we're better than, than other people. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, I definitely thought the second episode uh, had some good stuff in there. Um, and what I really liked is that she, Chandra White-Cummings, uh, she just mentioned justice, justice, justice. You know, mm-hmm. is it really necessary to... And you really, I think, because we, we were just born yesterday, Nate, right? <laughs> yeah. I think... When we hear an adjective before justice, we really got to listen closely, uh, whether it's social justice or racial justice or you name it, justice. Um, it really just comes down to justice. Justice is enough. Justice is a worthy cause. And what I liked after she brought it back to justice and that people that might not think of abortion as an issue of justice and injustice and should, what I liked about that after she made that point. I just think uh, it really, you know, you didn't hear anything about racial justice after that. Uh, uh, it, it's just a lot more focused when you're not hung up on race. Like, And the, the paradox, the irony, is that I think you'll see both subjects in a more clear way when you're not hung up on race. But
0: that's my... Yeah. No, it's a good observation, and it makes me think that you know justice is known to be blind. She's she's blindfolded, holding the scales. Uh, you might even include colorblind with with that <laughs> with that role historically. But good observation. I did not notice that. Um, so now that I, I hopefully we've established uh, we or we understand what Isaac Nostin and, and Chandra were trying to say or what, what their point was. Let's get into some of the specifics of the episode. Uh, I have some notes. I think I think maybe we should start out with talking about the systems. At the very end of uh, the second episode, um, Chandra talks about... Um, she, she says, like, Whites said that uh, they're trying to make themselves God and they disagree with God. And then Whites made a solution to have systems and institutions to... Uh, to continue, like running, like living the way they want to live instead of God's way, and uh, the, there was was that yeah that was at the very. Can I ask you, yeah, Nate? Go ahead. Was that uh was that right after she
1: she talked about in the country that there was crafted a narrative of white supremacy and
0: black, black inferiority. And inferiority that is right right after yep that she said that in 15 minutes and okay. then yep uh, do you have a comment about that?
1: Uh, no, just wanna. Just want to be able to place that. That's all.
0: Right. But anyway, right now I'd like to talk about like, they mentioned that like abortion is systemic, it's in organizations. And unfortunately, for a podcast that a lot of people listen to to get educated, they never talk about the systems and the institutions and the systemic racism of abortion. And at the very beginning of uh, part one, Isaac said, you know, there, there's a connection between eugenics and slavery and racism and abortion. And he's like, we could talk about that, but we're gonna talk about other stuff instead. And I, I kinda of think that was unfortunate. But now you and I can talk about the systems involved with abortion. Um, and do you know what probably the most responsible organization for abortion may might be in America? As far
1: as the ones that actually do it uh-huh. Planned Parenthood.
0: That's true. I think if you're going to talk about abortion in America, you should really talk about Planned Parenthood. And um, let's talk about Planned Parenthood. Started by Margaret Sanger in early 1900s. She wrote uh, the Birth Control Review, which was illegal for her to write at the time. And uh, But she published it and helped get contraceptive information out to women everywhere, including women in in different places in america white women black women whoever she did start the negro project which was uh which was actually like wb Bois, like some famous black americans were involved with that including black pastors but she was all about yeah uh, birth control and she really got the abortion industry started i think her first clinic was somewhere in harlem she's often painted as a racist and I think the clinic in New York a few years ago took her name off of the building because, uh, yeah. yeah, they, they uh, said, like, we don't want this they racist yeah, lady stuff on it.
1: You don't need much paint uh, to paint her as a bad woman. Yeah, really don't.
0: Yeah, but she's, um, she founded Planned Parenthood. And yeah. today, uh, I think Planned Parenthood are, is responsible for over a majority of the abortions in America. Um, I'm not sure about the, the other clinics, but uh, yeah, there's franchises. They're still headquartered in New York and um, yeah, they are.
1: Yeah, I do. Awesome. I do think it's more than 37%, but it's definitely worth looking at the current numbers. Um, but yeah, you want to talk about systems. How could you not name Planned Parenthood and, and how entrenched is a system when you've got so-called Christians bending over backwards to legitimize the existence of Planned Parenthood, how many times, Nate, have you heard uh, people actually give credence or give uh, lend an ear to the argument that oh, it's just a certain percentage of what they do? Oh, how many times have you heard that?
0: I I hear that often. Like they do, they do other services for women. I don't think they've. There's some. I, I'm not a woman. I. Uh, you know, but I, I, I'm not very privy to women's health issues. But I'm pretty sure, like, I'll fact check this later. But I don't know if they ever given any mammograms. Like, I don't, I don't know how many. Yeah, that's that sh- that's been. they really do. That's
1: been. That's been quite the point of discussion. But I think it's important to just attack this head on and and early on, like, before you even get to that point. Like, do when you say Hitler, and I know. It's not fashionable to bring up Hitler mm-hmm. uh, in arguments, but when you bring up Hitler, when you bring up Mao, when you bring up Pol Pot, the it's natural for the mind to go to those comparisons. So, so Nate, when you think of Hitler, do you think? What do you think?
0: I'm. I mean, what do you think I mean, Hitler? he's he, he's in the big three for like people credited with mass murders. You know, Joseph Stalin. Okay. Mao, yeah, that, that's usually you think
1: so. exactly. You think mass murder. You don't think high highway builder right I mean you don't think promoter of cars you don't think vegetarian uh,
0: he was vegetarian a no you don't
1: think no you don't think a person that uh, sanitized factories okay like none of the stuff that he did like what he was was a mass murder you don't say oh it's just a certain percentage of what he did he <laughs> built the, he built the autobahn he started yeah. volkswagen he improved the german economy uh, no that's not how we remember he him, and, him and god willing yeah and god willing when planned parenthood is no more planned parenthood won't be remembered anything different than mass murderers
0: yeah that uh bringing up hiller reminds me of some other connections that could be brought up like the Guttmacher Institute, Alan Guttmacher is a pretty big uh, Nazi sympathizer and um, also related to eugenics, like the eugenics movement where, you know, like 8,000 Virginians died in the 1900s and a bunch of Californians because, you know, as a society, we said, hey, it's okay to, to make sure you don't reproduce. Like, anyway, we as Americans were giving awards to these Nazis for all their research, it's uh, so just anyway, fun aside, not really fun, but an aside relating to uh, obvious evils in this world, and that that came from Nazi ideology, which still linger in other places still today. But um, but yeah, Planned Parenthood, pretty big organization. I uh, I was looking at some of their I was looking at their nine the nineties financial reports. Uh, apparently, the twenty eighteen one's out but uh, I was looking at the 2017 one and uh, yeah they have they bring in millions and millions of dollars and according to opensecrets.org they give 98% of their political campaign organ, uh, spending to one political party so when we talk about systems we need to see how the libertarian party right <laughs> people who just want to <laughs> say, Or was it the
1: green party or
0: uh, it is not the constitutionalist no no it is it is it is not one of those um more obscure it's it's a really popular mainstream party it's the it's the democrat party yeah, that oh. Planned Parenthood is I, I would say one of the major major funders uh like I said I mentioned some of the reports you can go access in places you can see them but they don't support republicans and uh, later on well in the episodes we heard there's uh sides of the aisle are talked about and then uh someone talked about how it's it's, it's hard to, like, use specifics because when you do start using specifics on sides of the aisle, it's pretty obvious that the Republican Party is pro-life and against murdering unborn children. Well, the Democrat Party is that way. If you look at the platforms of these parties, go to democrats.org, um, you can, yeah, you can see it's It's in the party platform, the Democrats. It's it's women's bodies, women's choice. And... Uh, Whereas, sanctity of life, it has been in the Republican Party platform since 1978. And uh, it's been reaffirmed every four years for the Republicans. And so, um, recognize God doesn't take sides, and, or doesn't have a political party, but pretty sure the Republicans are on God's side on this, this major issue. And we'll be talking about the other issues that are mostly held by the Democratic Party later on. But we're talking about systems. Democrats, Planned Parenthood, are—I I think I can punfully say—you know—they're in bed with each other, and uh, they need each other. And if you're a Christian, I don't think you can be a Democrat who or stand with Democrats on their view on pro-life, pro-choice. I feel pretty safe saying that sixth commandment: don't murder. Um, this might be a good time to transition into defining abortion. And what it is, and why it's why it's evil. Do you think that'd be a good thing to do right now? Sounds good. Cool. We'll, well circle back to other stuff. I'm sure. Great. Yeah. Exactly. We got we got the list. Um. So we have. Yeah. What is abortion? It's it's the ending of the life of the unborn child. Woman gets pregnant, and uh, she doesn't want to go through with the pregnancy have the baby um and then ab- abortion can be is yeah is an option for her. Uh, and um so usually if it's in the first trimester like there's pills that they can take and then she'll pop a pill maybe it's the ru 461 and then uh, the chemicals will just kill the child and then and then that's that's the end of that you know, child's life, you know, less than less than 12 weeks. Um, second trimester, she'll have to go in and then do an operation where, yeah, there's a physician, abortion doctor goes, and, uh, yeah, usually rips up the little baby and takes it out of the mom. And that's, yeah, that happens second trimester. Third trimester's abortions are only legal in, I think, five states currently, and uh, yeah, and then and then that's how, uh, yeah, so anyway, that only happens in about five states. So pretty sick thing, hard to talk about, happens a lot, unfortunately. Um, I'm going to take a step back and go into U.S. history. Uh, states were independently um, making boor- abortion illegal in the 60s and 70s. Uh, for some some context, someone wrote a book called The Population Bomb in the 60s. And so there is this idea that, oh, the world's gonna be overpopulated in the year 2000, and later on, what do we do to solve this? Oh, we, we lower the birth rate via abortion. And uh, and so abortion was touted as like, oh, hey, this is gonna help us with our population problems. and uh, And thankfully, People and Christians specifically, or uh, making that illegal, and um, throughout the '60s until 1973, when um, Supreme Court overturned everything and said, "Hey, abortion's legal; it's law of the land," and uh, that's the biggest system that was was mentioned in the podcasts. So, and since then, it's been the Republicans uh, and this is primarily in the political realm, uh, trying to restrict abortion, making it harder to have an abortion. And uh, whereas it's been Democrats who uh, try to make the, um, yeah, Democrats making it more accessible and uh, yeah, allowing it to happen later and later. And uh, like the Mexico City policy, is uh, another interesting political football. Whenever there's been a Republican president, it, it's used. So the um, basically, yeah, USAID, federal government can't help provide with abortion services in foreign countries. But whenever a Democrat becomes president, they uh, get rid of the, the order. And so, uh, yeah, U.S. taxpayer dollars can go fund abortions in foreign countries. So that's a, another neat little, well, not neat. It's, it's an interesting thing where depending if there's a Republican or a Democrat in the executive office, uh, whether like abortion globally will be encouraged or discouraged. So yeah, it, uh,
1: like recently with Joe Biden, uh, reopening the flow of U.S. taxpayer dollars for abortions overseas. If you want to talk about being a good neighbor, that's, uh, that's what I think about when I think of Mexico city policy, just talking out of both sides of the mouth, you know, when the U S government says that we want to be a good neighbor, <laughs> we'll pay for your abortions. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild.
0: Uh-huh. Anyway, I, uh, I hope we covered Oh, there's one other thing I think it's important to cover cover about abortion, um and, and and what it is and some of the systems involved. And that is uh probably one of the more sickening well, yeah, just just yeah, just uh and some some I can throw whatever adjective you want on it, but the the practice is uh, the selling of baby parts. Um there's the guy in California who uh Got a bunch of video of the Planned Parenthood official giving prices for certain parts of yep. the the babies and um,
1: yep. David DeLayden.
0: Yeah, right. He, I believe that's. I didn't want to pronounce his last name, but you got it. Uh, Cause I forgot it. But um. So anyway, he he went to court and because he, he filmed in a public space and California's like the, yeah the system does not like that guy very much. Instead of looking at Planned Parenthood, now he's, like, seeing jail time. He can't release more footage. And his stuff got raided and taken. But, um, yeah, that's a pretty big injustice. I would call that a systemic injustice, actually. Uh, and also...
1: Systemic injustice. Uh, sorry to interrupt, yeah. but uh, let's not forget uh, Kamala Harris mm-hmm. was the attorney general, I think, when they were persecuting Mr. DeLayden.
0: That is true. Tr- I recall hearing that. It continues. Yeah. And most recently, uh, Judicial Watch had a bunch of FOIA requests and demonstrated that the FDA has been procuring something known as HFT, human fetal tissue. And so the US government is also a procurer of baby parts, um, which start with Planned Parenthood, might go through a third party, then end up getting, um, yeah. Getting used in government research, and uh, those those babies are between twenty two and twenty six years or twenty six weeks, and since most yep, most organ development at that point, and uh, I guess that's the sweet spot. Um, and also, I think it's a good when talking about levels of development. Uh, partial birth abortion is well, I think it was banned by Bush. Uh, George W. Bush and that's when like the baby is born partially and then and then killed because uh, the, the mother doesn't doesn't want it. And so that's another important thing to to recognize, which has been a yeah, a procedure that's been in in politics in the past few decades. Um, yeah, and even Governor Northam was famous famously talking about, Killing babies after they're born um, a few years ago, and I think the state of New York also may have passed some stuff.
1: Oh, they sure did. Yeah,
0: yeah. the Democrat control of Congress,
1: and they pretty much the application of uh, of Northam's anti-human medical ethos was uh, enshrined with those laws and. They even lit up the Empire State Building pink, I think it was. Wow,
0: in order for like being pro-woman, I suppose.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot of evil we're talking about here, man. It's it's quite something. It's a lot of evil and it's an evil that they accentuate. Uh, They create these laws, ways to deal with this evil in the first trimester, in the second trimester, in the third trimester. And they don't even respect their own laws, their own parameters. Like you were talking about trafficking in in fetal tissue. Just dancing on graves, man. It's
0: Yeah. It's widespread. It's a problem. And I'm thankful for for the individuals and, and organizations who, who fight it. And I also think it's important to talk about it. like crisis pregnancy centers. If there's a local one and you're City, I, I think those are wonderful places to support that really Definitely. support women who uh, have an unplanned pregnancy and, and need assistance. I, uh, I contribute to mine on a regular basis uh, financially in other ways. But uh, yeah, having a crisis pregnancy, not an ideal situation, and hopefully women get supported and can, uh, yeah, choose adoption. Like, what a great Christian idea. Like if you're a Christian, you've been adopted as a son of God. Yeah. Like, what a wonderful thing that adoption is! It's a little picture of the gospel. Um, wonderful thing that should be included every time there's uh, you know abortion is is touted as a as a, as an option. Like adoption, it's a great Christian alternative to uh, yeah, killing an innocent child. But I think what we just we're talking about mentions it addresses one of the points made by Isaac and Austin and I'm digging for it right now. Anyhow yeah this is what we'll talk about. Um yeah we talked a little bit about the history of abortion in America on the on the legal side of things. There was this idea given by by Austin in in the first episode and uh Isaac agreed with them. And I and it happens around twelve minutes of the episode. Uh, there, his idea was like the pro life movement coexisted with with racism oh, is yes. what he said. And he said, Do you think yep. that that's fair? That like there's this idea that uh, the the civil rights people had their party and then the pro life people had their party and they never helped each other out. They never really came together when they were really they both cared about justice, just racial justice and uh, another type of justice and uh and i think that they had some false assumptions in that idea that there was two parties of folks that weren't uh that should have been working together but they'd already established their their cohorts um i think one yeah, thing I, yeah what do you got sorry I was
1: i that one definitely was a me- memorable moment in that episode um because not only could they have used a much better word than coexisted when they talked about pro life and they talked about uh, racist movements um you know just because things are contemporary like happen in the same time period doesn't mean that they have this link that they feed off of each other that they give passage to each other it's a uh, and I know it's in style now to be vague, you know, to be ambiguous, but uh, when you throw out stuff like that, uh, you really need to talk about some specifics. Uh,
0: yeah, I agree. Yeah, I'll um, I'll offer some specifics right now. Uh, Civil Rights Act was something that I'm, I'm so thankful our country passed. That was in the early '60s, and uh, it was. Filibustered by 18 Southern Democrats and one uh, Texas Republican. Uh, so there, there's a big divide between North and South, way more than Republican, Democrat. Interesting data stuff to talk about later. But that was 1962, and maybe it was 1964. And um, yeah, and, and then at that time, states were already outlawing abortion during that, that period until as I said the Supreme Court came with Roe versus Wade in 1973 then doe versus Bolton happened a little bit after that And so I think that thankfully uh, like those these at least the civil rights issues and abortion were not having we're not like competing at the same time for uh, for people to support right. them And also I think with civil rights issues, Uh, Some more specific, or some more precision that should be added in the conversation that I've never heard added was that, uh, like, the the South is where Jim Crow laws existed. Like, in the American West, and I'm assuming in the, the Northern states, like, there were not evil county administrators putting in grandfather laws saying, oh, you can't vote if your grandfather didn't vote. And then putting other obstacles and other oppressive, unjust laws towards former slaves. Like, that was, it's an ugly part of American history. But it's not all Democrat of American history. history. <laughs> <It's> just Democrat <laughs> Sorry. history. Sorry, had to jump in with that. No, that's, we, need, we need this level of precision. Uh, we need to be precise. It's important. But oftentimes throughout most of this, pretty much the entire podcast, it's like America that is painted as systemically racist and unjust, when really, if we get specifics on what systems and what laws are are unjust and racist, it's gratefully not at the federal level in present-day America. I would say, yeah, you can definitely find examples of systemic racism and injustice at state levels and, of course, local levels. And I think for me, the, the, the most obvious Um, sense of uh, racist legislation or just racist policies would have to be like with redlining which gratefully ended in the 70s and uh, only occurred in selective cities but um, anyway the point is yeah it's, it's, it's important to be precise when you're talking about these issues and when you're saying, oh, I think history happened like this, so this is what we have today, and I'm going to make up some history, and as long as my podcasting host agrees with me, we'll, we'll talk about it, and that's that's the world that well, we just created and we think exists. But anyway, I'd love to hear some specific examples in the future, if if anyone exactly. hears this and the answers the back. Happy to talk. Anyone's invited on this podcast. Uh, it's a, yeah, we're very inclusive, but... That was a good part to address what they mentioned there. I think another thing um, we should talk about is is these policies of justice or racial justice that uh, are on the two sides. We have the pro-life people on one side, and on the other side, we have the racial justice folks. And when I list all of the topics in both episodes uh, of of what specific policies that are matters which the racial justice crowd concerns itself with i have recorded uh, unfair housing unjust housing redlining police brutality and incarceration in tax law there yeah and i think and, and, and to be specific it's it's really, like, Democrats who have some policies for things like this. And they're saying, hey, Republicans or pro-lifers, come help us out with these issues. And then we'll help you out with your issues. That was uh, a scenario posed in, in the second episode. And I think it'd be a good time to talk about these issues and what... Maybe what a, what a Christian should think about them. or Or just any secular, reasonable... Person who wants to fight for justice. Um, any comments, Jorge? Uh, nope. Cool, cool, cool. Not on that part of it. Got it. Let's talk about the most confusing one: tax law. <laughs> Do you know what injustices exist in tax law, which are helping create conditions for right. abortions, or uh, just well, uh, being impressive towards? well
1: yeah since we weren't since we weren't given those specific examples uh, that we would like to have we kind of have to try to figure out what they were talking about so with tax law how it's there's racial injustice in tax law uh, it could be I guess that black people as a as a segment of the population, don't have the same propensity to, to own stocks. It could be, hmm. and s- some levels of taxation on income is higher than the capital gains tax. I don't know if that's it. Um, there's taxes that everyone pays, uh, like uh, sales tax that because, um, the household incomes of of black people is less than that of white people they so it's a bigger proportion of their income that goes into uh-huh. that discretionary income buying things uh, that could be it i don't know but we're really left grasping at straws uh, when we're not really given much to work with uh that maybe that's it with the taxation
0: yeah i'd, I'd love uh I'd love to like get an email or hear about some specific tax laws that are that are, you know, oppressive or racist or whatever. And, and the things that you mentioned um, are, are popular ideas. Uh, you can talk about like national politicians in America talking about corporations paying a low amount or whatever, and uh, all interesting things. That it's uh, it's really a question of morality. Like, how much should you take from different people, um, and then and then to like redistribute or or to Do the government functions that are constitutionally uh, specified. Mm -hmm. Um, When I think of tax law that's problematic, um, like Social Security gets gets amended like every decade, ever since it was created. And uh, I'm not a fan of Social Security, it takes like over 4% out of every paycheck, and I'm probably not gonna see it at the end because it's just an insolvent, uh, like foolish government program that is really insolvent. But, uh, but really, like, white women live longer than black men. So Social Security? A, <laughs> I don't know. We
1: really got really to do mental gymnastics to try to yeah. figure out. So it takes money from, uh, what,
0: from black men and gives it to yeah. white women because they live longer. <laughs> like, that's, that's the math that I'm thinking. There you go. But I'm, but you know how many – It's whenever a Democrat's a president, there's no worries about uh, Social Security going away. It's only if there was George W. Bush – or, uh, Trump had to remind senior citizens that he's not taking, he's not messing around with yeah. social security or privatizing it. But anyway, that's a tax law that I think, um, is a fair question yeah. that it should be adjusted. And like, to me, I think, uh, the most just thing is to like have people keep their property and the thing that, you know, the wages they've earned and not take it from them and then give it to those who don't work. That's uh, the biblical principle of like, you know, working hard, earning your own keep you know um. and that's
1: and that's where we'll butt heads with uh, I think another topic for another day but that's where we'll butt heads with people that keep espousing equality 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 of outcomes and I need to find it but I saw out there I think it was a pretty good video or um, basically just how, um, Sorry, I should have done my homework that better. <laughs> but uh, basically, is inequality just? Is equality just? And what you just mentioned, that's where we'll really butt heads with people that espouse equality, equality. And you know,
0: it's a great topic, which, which should be discussed it at is? a later time. Let's talk about other issues that uh, okay. include racial justice that pro-lifers should really consider joining and uh, fighting for. Mass incarceration. Um... When I when I read this, I think of, uh, I I think the most legitimate and, and concerning law that has uh, that that brings about great disparities would be would be drug laws, uh, and I suppose would be on the, the federal level. We can remember like President Biden got criticized a lot for, for talking about super criminals, and like having federal penalties becoming a lot greater which uh, in the end like potentially kept you know fathers out of the homes more and this, that affected uh, people who are black more since they just they ended up in jail more because of whatever penalties they um yeah just, it just happened to affect them more or like they penalize crack more than cocaine because black people do that crack than uh the white folks who snuff their cocaine so anyway that's what i think like mass incarceration I just curious how. Um, yeah, I'm trying. I'm just trying to think of more potential places where, where like, prisons are filled with populations that don't reflect the uh, the base rates, the base rate demographics of America. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear some specific policies on. We I, mean, I mean, is is decriminalizing certain drugs like is that the best for society and will that will that is that what we really is that what true justice is decriminalizing some drugs like i'd love some specific examples fascinating topics i'd love some specific examples same here um yeah in prison systems in general in america funny funny thing like penitentiary uh, has the word penitent in it and i believe historically like you go to the penitentiary and you're penitent and when you you're like given a Bible and you just study God's word and and, and hopefully like you learn stuff and, and and maybe you repent of your stuff of your of your sins and your specific acts and uh, maybe that's how things change but like a real study on the prison system would be interesting it's a fascinating topic I don't work in the prison system but I would love to hear more information on specifically, what Christians should do for this topic. Um, we'll go to the next topic. Uh, fair housing. What to do about fair housing? I don't know if this is talking about Section 8 money, where there's systems that pay people to stay in homes for which they uh, they can't afford. Yeah, I've heard I've seen graffiti in my neighborhood that says housing is a human right. I, uh, I'm not convinced living in a certain house. Is having,
1: Nate, is having houses without graffiti on them a human right?
0: Is having houses without graffiti? (laughs) No, no, I think, I think human rights are like your personhood, life, being free, liberty. And, uh, that's a great question. What is a human right? Hopefully like living in freedom and, and not being enslaved. That's a human right, you know, against your will um but yeah what fair housing policies are specifically what fair housing policy what are fair housing policies what's the status quo what do we need to change do we need to tax people more so we can give certain people more money so they can stay in places or i think be more fair housing to make it more more capitalist you know like stop subsidizing things like section 8 or if you're my my city, I, or I live in the district of Columbia, a lot of times the, the local government won't allow developers to build unless they they keep um, a certain percentage of the houses to be low income and have reduced rates on rent. And uh, so I, I think that's, I don't know, that's something to discuss. Maybe they're talking about gentrification. I think there's definitely, uh, injustice occurring when the state uses eminent domain to uh, take people's private property in order to build something that, you know, the, their, their city wants. But anyway, I'd love some more specific examples. Can you think of some fair housing things that we need to address?
1: Um, I just remember in the more recent news, a lot of stuff about zoning uh-huh. and, you know, whether you could have uh this be a, a more local issue or whether it should be of the the larger governments. Uh, so you'd have basically, you know, you would think that neighborhoods develop naturally and that people could choose where they live, but you know, there's a lot of backlash in retrospect over the movement of a lot of people to the suburbs. So um, it could have something to do with what President Trump was referring to during the campaign. Um, he kind of harped on that a lot of uh, saving the suburbs, you know, saving uh-huh. the characteristics of the suburbs to, to prevent uh, larger governments from going in and basically choosing the destiny of that neighborhood. Like, this is going to be where projects are built. This is going to be where this type of housing is built um which basically you already mentioned eminent domain to me it's it's another type of eminent domain but whenever whenever there's inequality in outcome you're going to get claims of um of uh injustice discrimination of injustice yeah and so these are some of the i think imperfect ways that uh some people try to address that
0: yeah and then, really, it's the philosophy of governance. Like, do you keep it decentralized to the lowest level possible, or as a as a country, like, do we want the federal government to to like to make more, most of our decisions be highly centralized? Like, I think right. that's another important question that we're that we're trying to apply to uh, yeah. where someone lives. Something that's really personal, and uh, yeah, you imagine it would be and- useful at a local to have local authorities deal with that.
1: Because. And one reason, I love what you said there, one reason that's so important is because the decision makers, when it's local, they live the consequences. The decision makers, when they're from far away, the state capital or the national capital, they don't have to live with the consequences.
0: It's a very American idea. You know, like, you know, we don't want the British to be controlling us and Taking our ships and taxing our breakfast products, you know. But yeah, so uh, I think I think it's uh, yeah, definitely justice issue. Who governs me? Um, really, the the core two questions of governments should be like who should govern and to what ends. I think that's the the textbook questions I recall from uh, high school civics. Uh, anyway, the last thing we're gonna we're gonna move to the last uh, issue that was mentioned during during the racial justice stuff, and then that was redlining. Um, f- redlining is something I had did, to I did research. I, I learned about it as an adult. Uh, it occurred in the, in the 60s and 70s in certain neighborhoods where if you were black, the, the lenders wouldn't help finance you to move into certain neighborhoods. And so there's certain neighborhoods that were well, they were, were like if you were, they were mostly they were they were white because white people could get funding financing get their mortgage, while other neighborhoods, uh, yeah, blacks were allowed to move into other other neighborhoods and they were limited. This actually happened in our and Nate, yeah. and Nate was it on the
1: basis of being white that whites were helped in this way, and was it on the basis of being black
0: that blacks were not helped in that way? I believe so, and uh, and they might have had some federal implications. Fannie Mae. I need to continue to do some research on it, but it was only in certain cities. Uh, like, for example, like where I live, District of Columbia, it never happened. Uh, there were things called neighborhood covenants where people lived in a neighborhood and they said, "Yep, yeah, we're not gonna have, like, we're, we're not gonna have any black people move into our neighborhood. And uh, those, thankfully, are gone. The first person to break a racial covenant was Frederick Douglass when he moved into a neighborhood. Hmm. And he was the first black guy. Uh, to do that, and not very far from where I live, and uh, yeah, and thankfully that's done. And today in America, if you want to get a mortgage, I'm I'm pretty sure the federal government will probably still ask for your ethnicity, but what matters is your credit score, and if you can produce your bank statements and show your incomes, and um, yeah, you'll you'll be asked to provide. A lot of stuff that's relevant to your ability to pay for that house. And, uh, yeah. So when it comes to redlining, me as a pro-lifer, I am on board with ending redlining. Um, I mean, because it doesn't exist anymore in America, thankfully. But it gets mentioned multiple times throughout this podcast. But I also think it is the most legitimate, uh, not not quite modern day, but say 20th century, late 20th century example of systemic racism in America. That's probably the best example that was national in my opinion and obvious. I, I still think that systemic racism occurs but it's um yeah it's not obvious and, and you have to go policy by policy and uh but yeah if you're going to complain about it or be concerned please give specific policies. Um, and I guess they did give one, redlining, but that's thankfully and gratefully been solved like way before you or I or anyone else talking about this were born, um, on our podcasts. But uh, anyway, I'm glad we went through some of that. Those are the the issues that we're being asked to come take aside and carry the flag and help fight the fight with. I'd love specific policies, and uh, depending on what the policies are, I think I'm I'm ready to uh, fight alongside some people based on. Um, what I think is you know, gives people the most liberty, allows allows people to to thrive and doesn't involve stealing from people. Anyway, at least Yeah, I just give me the issue and I'll tell you if I support it, and I'll happily march march alongside you if uh, Yeah, if there's an opportunity to do so. But in the meantime there's hundreds of abortions of abortions happening every day, and, uh, yeah, it, that is a real thing. I don't think it's good to be killing babies uh, in America or, or globally. Um, yeah, and so anyway, it's definitely an issue I'd, I'd like to support today. Um, but anyway, happy to hear some specific platform stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do we have from their podcast that we should talk about that we haven't addressed? I think their big thing was, hey, we're two different sides. We need to come together. And I think we've been pretty thorough talking about that idea. Do you have, do we have any other little things to talk about? Can I just kind of
1: talk about my main uh, issue? Let's hear it. It's, look, there are just causes. There mm-hmm. are, Okay fighting against abortion is a just cause. Yeah. Fighting against uh, racism, if blacks are being treated unfairly, that's a just cause. Whatever you do, when you when you fight for a just cause, it's it's fine. It's fine to hone in on that. It's fine. You don't have to be taxed on that. You don't have to you don't have to be taxed on that with other issues. Basically, I just could not help but make the parallel. What was the name, uh, Nate, of that law where radio stations had to give uh, equal airtime to like uh, different sides? Oh yeah, it'll come to me later. The Fairness Act, maybe. That might have been it. Okay, but basically, if you got, if you've got ten pro-lifers, um that are fighting the good fight there and you're telling them that they're ignoring all these issues you're 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 not helping you're not helping it's okay it's good in that moment to to focus on abortion and even if you 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 can't tackle something if you're being
0: um being pulled other directions
1: Exactly. There's no, you don't have to pay a tax to, to fight for these issues. You don't have to, um, if you're going to talk about the evils of abortion, you don't have to spend 50 minutes out of the hour talking about, um, everything else. We're, we're just watering down our messages so much. We're making such clear things, uh, ambiguous, and on the flip side, the same. It's if you're talking about issues of blacks being treated unfairly in the workplace, for example, or uh, wherever it may be, um, you can be confident and you can speak on that. You don't have to pay a tax and talk about something else. Fifty minutes out of that hour that you're dealing with this topic. That's that was my main. That very well, uh, could have been my main uh, issue, my main gripe with the. Uh, <laughs> just how the podcasts uh, were done like we need to focus we need to focus and and focus on on justice and hitching hitching wagons with with other groups like um, because the main groups that we have in the present day you know for for racial justice uh, which is just a label that they give themselves for racial justice is black lives matter right mhm uh-huh. I think it would be so consequential and so negative if uh, pro-life groups um, uh, coordinated with them because they have their identity. They have their identity. And trust me, the the names of so many things, they're just labels. They're just labels. So you can really detract from a movement. You can really uh, harm a movement. If they, if they lose focus, that's that's my main concern.
0: Are you saying you're, you're anti-coalition?
1: Of course not. But coalitions, they really do have things that, that uh, are bonds between them.
0: You'd say maybe they're united on one issue rather than splitting up your issues. I think. Um, but, but how often how often are coalitions successful if while
1: they're working on that one issue with uh, other groups, how often are those coalitions successful if they spend uh, time belittling that group for how they spend their time uh, when they're not involved in the coalition? Do you think that's going to work? <laughs>
0: um, I, like the way you just pitched it, I don't think that would work. Yeah. Um... I think not,
1: and it's a, it's a very cheap um, admission fee. It's a very low bar. This is what we have to be careful of. Don't just make coalitions with groups based on the labels that they give themselves. That's, I think that's a good way to discern: is to look beyond the the labels, because you know who would disagree that the lives of Black people are important,
0: right? No, 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 no. Of course, yeah. Hopefully you'd agree that that all lives matter, right? Of course, just lives matter. So the lives of black people are
1: important. Mm -hmm. But the organization, Black Lives Matter Incorporated Real Estate Holdings, oh, sorry, I mean, Black (laughs) Lives Matter Incorporated, that movement is a lie. Even with the statement that the lives of Black people is important. That's true, mm-hmm. but the organization known as Black Lives Matter is a lie. So that's my main concern. Uh, I hope I explained myself well. That that was pretty wordy. Uh, I could have definitely
0: summarized that better, but that's my main concern. Yeah, I, I, your concern is like there can be a label specifically Black Lives Matter, but. Once you remove the label and you look at the real contents, you'll say, like, oh, you're an organization that says you should uh, defund all your police and make it hard for them to, to do their job or use force when they need to do it. Or, oh, you're an organization that used to publicly exactly. say that you're against uh, the, the Western idea of the traditional nuclear family. family and, uh, yes. and now you remove that from your website, but now out of the organizations <laughs> that you support with your charity, to which tens of thousands of people donate, your, I think it might be a majority of your organizations are transgender movement organizations, which still support your your anti-family thing. So um, yeah, I guess what you're trying to say is remove labels, look at real content and what people really want, maybe specific policy objectives. And because, yes, sir.
1: Uh, you put it very nicely, very succinctly, okay. and what you say is so important to look at the content because if you don't, you are – you see, the pro-life movement, it has an identity. It has a content. It has a substance, and if you don't look at the label – if you don't look beyond the labels of groups that you want to make coalitions with – you're going to be making uh, associations that are just going to water down your identity. You're just going to. So you're going to find that your movement that is concerned uh, is 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 Christian is uh, true, um, true um, lovers of humanity. Um, philanthropist there's the word I was looking for mm-hmm. like in the truest sense philanthropists in the truest sense uh, Christians um, helping the the weakest among us they're gonna walk right into something that's not that mm-hmm. something that's not
0: that uh, reminds me of the political insider term astroturf organizations where People, uh, as opposed to grassroots, which is a bunch of local people who, who authentically start a movement because they, they, have, they have some some policy or some ideology they want to share. And uh, they grow naturally through their connections versus astroturfing where people just make a uh, make an organization. We'll call it like uh, Middleville um, Citizens for <laughs> Green Energy or, or, or whatever. And it's really just... Some people got a bunch of money from some big donors and they want to uh, show the appearance of, of uh, overwhelming support with coalitions. But um, right. anyway, a little aside reminder there. Um, I think we should take a moment. I believe I missed, I missed one of the um, racial justice issues which we could support, and that's police brutality. Uh, I think that might be a political issue. That pro-lifers just said, "Hey, come fight, come help us on police brutality," because uh, like that's, it's one of the big Black Lives Matter issues. That uh, which, which mm-hmm. reminded me. And when it comes to police brutality, I think that we gotta. Yeah, you should know what organizations are trying to do. There's there's one group called Project Zero, which uh, writes most of the legislation for big cities. Like Minneapolis and DC, uh, it usually ends up in their legislation, which really makes it so police can't do their jobs, and results in hundreds of police quitting, and making it harder to recruit and retain good cops who are, you know, officers of justice. You know, keeping doing doing the Lord's will by punishing evildoers. But uh, yeah, police brutality is a Highly emotional issue that uh, the media uh, likes a lot. Because I'm sure their ratings and ad revenues increase a lot when there's this, like horrifying accounts of injustice occurring from authority. And uh, like I just mentioned, I'd love Certainly. some specific examples of policy suggestions on what to do for police officers. Uh, I'm so thankful we do have a justice system with juries, and ju- uh, with you know a jury of one's peers to judge when whenever an unfortunate, uh, yeah, situation occurs. Maybe like someone dies in the hands of a cop. That's that shouldn't happen. I sure hope justice is served. I don't know what specific policy should be changed, but yeah, I think we got to go on a case by case basis. Um, when it comes to the narrative of like cops are just killing black people um, which which might be something that's heard that would be I don't, know, I don't think that's really a true narrative. Like if you're a black person in America uh, there's ten other things that will probably kill you before a cop kills you. But really most importantly if you're like a person who's obeying the law and not resisting authority and doing your own thing and not engaging in criminal activity, you should be good. I think that's the most important thing. But yeah, when it comes to police brutality, I would love to get some specific examples on uh, what policies should change or, what, or how systems should change rather than just saying police brutality is an issue, come fight with me on this issue. I would love a specific example. Which really reminds me of Shondra White Cummings. She, she was on the article. She was on the podcast because she wrote an article recently. And she opened the article talking about George Floyd's mother saying, Mama. And she wrote about, uh, as a, about how black mothers really care for their kids. And it's so painful to see them calling out for them. But uh, unfortunately, her article was not true. If uh, The Derek Chauvin trial, day four, um, george floyd's girlfriend (laughs) told everyone that uh he was calling for her because he called her mama and uh george George floyd's mom died like before he died um so uh, it's unfortunate when people use emotional stories that are lies to promote whatever point they're trying to point you know pedal i doubt the article that she wrote when it was a book review is gonna get edited but uh it's just so nice to use facts when you're talking about emotional issues especially it is and mm-hmm. go ahead sir but yeah that's, that's all especially- i want let we, we just, it's good to have facts and like i've had conversations where people tell me to leave and like i'm just i don't know i'm just this a rational dude try to talk about facts let's keep emotions out of it if we can and uh yeah let's have a conversation Let's talk about our f- perspectives, facts, whatever. But let's have these conversations, and hopefully, now with people who like, let- let's let's invite uh, contrary opinions and perspectives. I mean, that's that's what I like.
1: Yeah, the the pursuit of truth. It's a dialogue. Uh, it's a, it's a good thing, but the George Floyd case just. Such a, it was seen as an opportunity by so many people, and there's all kinds of profit being made off of that emotional profit, political profit, straight up greenbacks profit, <laughs> um, with no regard for truth. So who who knows? Who knows if he was talking about his mother? Who knows if he was talking about his uh, baby's mother or his
0: girlfriend? Yeah. Um. Was he a father actually? Yeah, he was a father. When um, I'm looking for for articles about him, he he described him as a father most often. It, most articles I found did not describe him as. A, I, I think you could reasonably call him a career criminal. Um, like he, he died after he, and he's like I believe his name's been mentioned in, in, in the United We Pray podcast, but it's it's never mentioned that, like he was counter he used to counterfeit bills allegedly to steal some stuff from the gas station, and that's why the cops got involved originally. And then, like, I've read the autopsy report. He had a lethal amount of fentanyl, and he had THC. And uh, so, a lot of the trial is is figuring out if it was a lethal dose or not, if he was killed by the police's actions or uh, Mm -hmm. his own decisions. And uh, that's why his girlfriend was testifying, too, because, like, she was also... um, consuming certain drugs and uh, trying to get the the record straight. But anyway, the bottom line is, uh, for all the names that are, you know, the say-their-name things and the names that are said for people who are held up as victims of police brutality, most of these people, none of these people, like, you, you would want to have babysit your kids. Like, George Floyd put, no, a, it, put a gun to a pregnant woman's belly while his friends rob their house. Like, he's not uh, a role model, but... He's, like, painted with angel's wings and stuff. But, anyway, from a few things I know, definitely not a role model. But, uh, yeah, so much profit to be made on him and from different organizations. But, uh, yeah, I just, I just search for facts, you know. And hopefully justice is done. And uh, as a country, we get you know, it would be great to to have a, you know, perfect system where people don't don't over you know don't abuse drugs and don't don't steal from others and don't shoot each other but yeah our world is full of sin it's obvious message um and it impacts all of us and we all need to repent and confess our sins that's that i think that's way. that's that's the most important thing but for these other news stories that are local news stories that really shouldn't be national like let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about facts. And uh, yeah, let's please talk about all the facts. Indeed.
1: But um, I've heard a lot of people. Uh, is it the twenty-four hour rule or the forty-eight hour rule that they just they say like, all right, let's wait twenty-four hours, let's wait forty-eight hours, <laughs> uh, see what actually happened. Let some facts rise to the surface. Like some facts come out. You know don't uh,
0: don't burn down Minneapolis give it 24 48 hours <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, my yeah. mothers like count to 10 if you're angry and if you're really angry <laughs> count to 100 <laughs> uh, All right we'll count to 30,000. <laughs> <one. laughs> yeah I think uh, yeah yeah personally when, whenever there's a, a news flash like I, I can't wait for for like two or three days later when there's a full story. And I'll consume all of the madness then, instead of right. instead of uh, consuming whatever's there now. Yeah, fascinating topic. Today's a uh, twenty-four hour news cycle, or maybe it's probably the cycle's shorter. Twenty-four hour news coverage. Um, anyway, fascinating topic. Definitely should be addressed when uh, talking about highly emotional issues. But um, otherwise. Good topic, Jorge. I think I'm gonna double check my notes. I think we we covered the main topic of uh, of the United We Pray podcasts uh, point, which was hey, pro-lifers and uh, racial justice people, you guys can be teammates. Um, systemic injustice is is really like that's abortion, and we also care about systemic injustice. If 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 you consider yourself a a racial justice person. Uh, you really need to address these other issues, which are creating the environment for abortion, and, and then that'll really help you out, so you need to join us, and I think we discussed the components of that pretty well. Uh, we did not discuss other issues that lead to abortions that, uh, that they didn't mention, like, out of wedlock, birth rates, and, and, and different groups, like, I think that's a way more relevant topic, um... That relates to abortion. It could be a lurking variable potentially, then uh, then tax policy or or the incarceration ways what Austin specifically mentioned. But um, anyway, I think we addressed their main point. Uh, if anyone is listening to this and think we're really off on something, send us an email. Um, yeah, you can you can come on our our podcast if you want whoever's listening i don't know who is i think this is over an hour long but whatever i just i'm just glad we're doing this because i just think there's some alternate perspectives should should get shared but um otherwise or any any other comments anything we missed any conclusions Floor's yours
1: i just want to say this uh just came up i thought of it when while listening to these um while discussing this with you. Um, it, it really is all about justice. Um, and when your aim. Is to get even. When your aim is payback. And not a singular. Like having a singular. Focus on justice. If your aim is. To only get Even that means you're never going to hit the mark. You're never going to hit the mark of justice unless you strictly aim at justice. So you're that's saying, uh, kind of what I wanted to end on. Oh, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Be that, be that reparations, be that, um, blame. Something as simple as blame. Be that, um, confessing your privilege. <laughs> The, right. th- things witnessed or be, um, <laughs> social media or or whether it's financial uh, burdens on some groups and for others uh, t- major transfers of wealth
0: um you're just gonna keep missing the mark so true trust is, is not uh getting even or feeling better but what if that's the right question, I don't know. And maybe we we don't know, but we know what it's not. I'm happy with that answer and we'll think about it for a few days.
1: It's definitely worth uh, thinking about, but uh, justice is it's God's justice. Um, you wherever you are, you know, we don't have time machines. Wherever you are, is be just in that moment. Do be moral people. Do what's right for every means that you want to use to get to an ends or whatever means you're considering of using to get to an end judge that discern that is this right or wrong and if you live by the code that the ends do not justify the means and if you're discerning the means that you're considering is it right is it wrong and if of course you look at the ends itself is the ends right is the end right? Is it wrong? I think that's how we're going to be a just, uh, just people and just individuals. We have the 10 commandments. We have all the context of the, the Bible inspired by the Holy Spirit. We have so much, we have natural law. We have the, the way that families are formed. We have, we have so much, we do have the tools. It's not easy, but I think that's how we're just by trying to be ethical people, always what's right. Um, yeah, we really do have to have to look at all these means to get to
0: the end. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good words. And especially for Christians, like we have God's word, which is just good for reproof and teaching and uh yeah god's words i would say that'd be the primary primary document as we discuss these things talk about them um cool well thanks for uh thanks for chatting with me thanks so much nate i guess i'll uh see you next time when we look at some other episodes excellent